Hi, JC. Hello, Danya. <laughs> Thanks for being our take two for Space Talks. Um, and this time we're in person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fortunately, uh, for the LA meetup, we're going to get the chance to do this conversation uh, before everyone else arrives. So hoo-ha, everyone gets to join <laughs> us on this space trip, uh, even if they're not here. So I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Me too. Awesome. <laughs> Good talk. So, um, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, your background? Um, we'll just kind of jump in from there. Yeah, so it's a high level was born born in Saudi Arabia. My my dad used to work there. Then I was raised in, in Lebanon until I was sixteen. Uh did lots of sports, um, you know, evil student but but pretty good, so they didn't <laughs> kick me out. Um and then came to Canada when I was like 16 and then started building stuff since then. Um, changed maybe four schools throughout my life. And um, instead of going to college, you know, um, co-founded a company and I've been uh, just building shit since then and not looking back so far. <laughs> and I'm also <laughs> laughing because we moved rooms <laughs> so that there wouldn't be noise in the background <laughs> and this guy has just, just taken all the machinery <laughs> and he's not going as you're doing that um <laughs> so that's awesome that's really really cool uh how was it like moving countries to canada um at first it was liberating uh i felt it was <laughs> it was like no one it's like, you know, in Lebanon, it's a small community. So anywhere you go, you know someone or anywhere you go, uh, like, you know, everything. But here I came to a place where I knew no one and knew nothing. Uh, I remember coming. I didn't have even an ID. And I was thinking, also, if now something happens to me and some people come, they're just like, don't know who I am. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how old were you? 16. You were but, 16. Okay. But I just didn't have all my papers and my passport was at home. Yeah. So I had to go do my, like... IDs Canadian and stuff like that but uh and I didn't have my Lebanese ID but that's another story uh, <laughs> why didn't you have your Lebanese ID uh, because when I was born in Saudi they had made the calculations based on the lunar kind of calendar and so my like Lebanese ID was a different birth date from my Canadian oh, and so then it would what? be like <laughs> forged ID so I didn't have a Lebanese ID I just had the paper that says I'm Lebanese but I won't carry that it was a photocopy anyway. Um, but anyway, it was, it was good. And then um, afterwards, I started just like exploring um, interests that I had, which kind of helped me find, you know, my friends or, or community. Um, and now I, I, I love it. I think I feel like more familiar um, in Canada than, than I would in Lebanon. I mean, there's still some heritage and stuff like that that are that make you feel rooted in a way, but otherwise, like, uh, I feel like this is, this is, uh, you know, more home for me now. Yeah. And did your entire family come with you to Canada? No, no, no. So, uh, I actually booked my trip for one week before, um, I was sitting in a lab, uh, doing research in physics in, in Lebanon and I just decided I'm going to leave. Um, so I just bought the ticket and left the week wow. after. But, uh, I mean, my parents were in discussion, but they hadn't, like, fully agreed. And then I was just like, well, I'm going. 
Um, your parents were in discussion for them to leave or for, no, for me to, to leave. Oh, yeah. wow. So you came by yourself. Yeah, my brother was, was there. Actually, he had gone to Lebanon when I when I arrived. But uh, my brother was like living in Montreal, so this made it a bit easier. Okay. Yeah. And how much older is your brother? 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there yeah. was some... He had an establishment a little bit in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's super cool. Can you talk <laughs> about like what you built? Then like... So you moved to Montreal... What was your first entrepreneurial experience? Yeah, so I was doing two things. Uh, I, I was trying to build, like, uh, hoverboards at the time where they were just coming out. And I actually got to build, like, a company and a product. It was called HoverX. But then the lithium battery things came. Yeah. And so it just made the cost extraordinarily higher and, like, mm. much harder to get them to, like, North America. So then I lost, like, the money and the stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, kind of, um, I realized like when I moved, I hated school and education system. And uh, I also hated how most people thought that, you know, you either like entrepreneurs or failed students who do like lemonade stand stuff. And I, uh, and like most people wanted to be lawyers, surgeons or stuff like that. And my point was like, I mean, a lot of great surgeons are also entrepreneurs because they invented like some crazy stuff. Um, and so I started kind of finding uh, a community of people that were just like wanted to build interesting things outside school and and talk about like rockets or self-driving cars or just colonizing Mars or stuff like that. And so built a nonprofit and uh, which is still, I mean, running now, six years after. Um, it was it wasn't like full nonprofit then, but I started building community, getting resources, etc. So these were like my first my first you know ventures that were concrete, I guess. But my first thing was when I was maybe nine, I used to like video game like fourteen hours a day, and so um, in our building uh, in the village in Lebanon. I had like one floor. My brother had gotten like four computers set up to play games. Um, and then he left the year after. And uh, I kind of helped scale that to like 32 computers. And we had like everyone come do like Counter-Strike or CSGO tournaments and like Dota and Half-Life. And so I continued building that until I left. Wow. Too much out, yeah. So I was like a tiny, tiny kid. So did kid. people pay to play or was Yeah, it... yeah. It was like full business. It like was like a large part of like the family's income. And we had like even crabs and hot dogs at some point when we scaled. And it was full like all wow. day. I did like tournaments and people would come from like downtown to like one hour trip to just be part of the tournament. <laughs> and, and this was inside your family's home? What well, yeah, in the building, in, in, the, building. in the village. Yeah. Like we had, like, a place that's, like, empty. Oh, wow. We just build the tables, and every time we make money, just buy more computers. Wow. And then it ended up being, like, 32, I think 33, actually, computers. Um, Is it still going on? No. So I think around the pandemic or something, my dad decided to just shut it up, and he was, like, kind of tired. Uh, but he continued running after I left. My dad mm. ran it, continued to run it, yeah. That's fantastic. So uh, that's when I got the bug. I wanted to do what I want and like I can make money while doing that. So uh, I never had a job. <laughs> <laughs> like ever. That's never. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So can you talk about this nonprofit a little bit more too? Mm-hmm. So essentially, um, 
you know, we concretized at some point where we felt like teenagers were not taken seriously. Um, and you can't even incorporate a company. People will not take you seriously. And I was like, this is ridiculous because I went to like the university accelerator and I felt like most people knew crap about what they're talking about. And like most startups were shit. And I mean, factually they are. I, I don't know how many good companies that accelerator has built. And so I was like really pissed because I felt like there's some teenagers who are building cooler stuff, but they're just not taken seriously because they're not in university. And some people would tell me, oh, go, go to like, go get your university degree and then we can talk. Mm. And so I wanted to dispel that, that theory. Um, and I felt like school would corrupt your mind and like prevent you from actually doing clear, authentic thinking because it teaches you to optimize for different things. If you mm. end up being good at school, means you can follow the rules that the teachers want for you to get to the outcome that they want you to get. So like just become very good at following what people want you to do um, and exactly the rules that they want you to do it. Um, and so um, built the first cohort uh, uh, in parallel to school um, and we got like Google and Shopify to fund it and some other like really awesome folks. And we got three teams to you know work on really hard problems. Uh, so one was like building a thousand dollar brain scanner um, wow. which got like more funding and <clears throat> got some like scientific credibility. Um, one team was working on like a, an algorithm to, to do early cancer, breast cancer detection. And they worked off a paper from John Hopkins um, and Google vetted the algorithm because they felt like it's, it's really tough to have done that. And like the engineering manager from Google went to introduce them and he said, I looked at the code and it's not smoke and mirrors. Wow. And the third team was building a device for the visually impaired. And that also, like, I think, uh, so they got, like, ICEF. They won, like, second prize at ICEF. And then they got some more funding to pursue it. And they what did, like, What year was that? 2018. Okay, because I, re- I actually think I remember hearing that about the device. Was it, like, a tracking yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah. yeah, I think I heard about that. That's so cool. Yeah. That, that was something that you, like... <laughs> Helped facilitate work through. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. actually my ex, but... Oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> well, it's really cool. Not as much. I didn't like the idea as much anymore. Yeah, it's great, it's great. Were you guys dating at the time that you were doing that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't with me. I had put her with another guy. But... <laughs> wait, wait. Well, you put her with... like To well, work on the project. To work on... Okay, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, good. Yeah, it's cool, cool concept. And then yeah. so, from, and then after yeah. that, the next year we said, okay, this is like really working, and we got some really good traction and support. Mm. And even the sponsors or the people who attended the demo night, kind of, they were like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, why are people not doing this? You yeah. Know? Um. And so we got more resources and capital, and we built like a full summer program for six and a half weeks. Teenagers lived together. We got like twelve people. Mm. And then they were just like focused on building stuff, but also building core skills because we believed that our outcome was not to build companies, but to build like incredible human beings. Yeah, you know, that then would drive. build future companies throughout their career. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so like, for example, we had a partnership with something called Lufa Farm, which is like green farms in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And they gave a budget, a weekly budget. And so the teenagers would have to buy the food, cook it. And manage the budget and then they would have to clean the apartment because who else is going to clean it for them yeah unless they go make money and then pay a cleaner but else it's not going to get done for them 
Um, so it was a lot of like you have to earn your way, mm. and like they had to build their own desk because I mean who can afford to pay desks for them? Uh, I mean even though wow. we had the money, but yeah, like it's, yeah. it's out of you know concept and principle. No, I love that um, actually. And so it was very hacky, uh, kind of environment, but we also you know um, surrounded them with some like awesome folks, and they ended up building some stuff. And we gave them grants, like $1,000. They spend it any way, any, any way they want. Yeah. And also, they don't pay anything for the program. So that happened, and then COVID happened, and we had two choices of either doing, like, mutant quarantine in style and in the middle of nowhere, or just do some digital stuff. And given it's teenagers, um, we didn't do the Newton. You know, Newton created calculus during the quarantine, during, like, the plague or something. Um but but anyway, so we did like a digital platform, create scaled the platform, scaled the community to people like from Afghanistan, South Africa, mm. um, <clears throat> and it was like great. Um, and we continue. I mean, to uh, the premise there was everyone to become mission driven, and to match that mission with concrete milestones, um, so they can like match their big dream was what am I doing Friday night to get there and then they would record all their learnings and share that within a community and they had access to what we call the takeoff fund so they would get like $500 to upgrade themselves somehow so it was still like the same values that we tried to make in software and it had like good good engagement but uh, now it's um, well my main you know, partner there was uh, we decided to go back to school um and so there's kind of a, a slowdown in the pace of the community, but I'm looking forward to getting it back up at, at, some, at the right time. Yeah. And how did you get from this nonprofit to your other company? Fuse. And, and yeah, Fuse and, and other initiatives you're working on. Yeah, so at Fuse, at some point, uh, I was, okay, I finished CJAP, which is like equivalent to grade 12, 13, and, and usually. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Um, you know, I hated school. I don't want to go to school. Um, and like, I didn't feel like Hestia is going to like be able to, it's not going to get me busy 120 hours. It's not ready yet. For Hestia me to, being your nonprofit. nonprofit yeah, yeah, exactly. And we didn't have like, I think the, enough substance for me to be like 120 hours a week working on it. And so, um, and I really felt like, hey, I have nothing to lose. Um, I want to solve a problem that's like really freaking hard. That's high risk of success. Um, and uh, that not many people are focused on solving, but it, it must. And so I started to, and I met my co-founder at the time. And so I decided to pursue fusion, which is my childhood dream. I went back to see, okay, what did my eight-year-old self want to do and I was fascinated with space you know I was like you read about this galaxy and stars and those beautiful photos and I'm like how can I touch them see them you know hear them is it true or is it all bullshit and the only way was to go there and the only way to go there is reasonably is like fusion drives so fusion propelled rockets um, but they were like very far out um, so when I dove into the problem, um, I realized like it's, I mean, fusion propulsion is, is farther away. 
but uh, you know our civilization needs a new source of energy, a clean, abundant, safe, and, and on demand. And fusion was, you know, the next big, you know, the next big, uh, you know, as a step function change for civilization from like a, from an energy perspective. And so, uh, yeah, I decided to pursue that, and spend uh, three years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So what does that even look like of what you're building? Are you building these fusion energy tanks? Are you building yeah, yeah, connections yeah. to with labs? Like, what oh, is no, that? we have like 33,000 square foot facility, which we've outgrown. So we're, you know, oh, wow. Where, where is this? Yeah. In Napierville. In, but where is it? It's just like 30 minutes south of Montreal, Canada. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So we have like 30 people. We've built our first fusion reactor. Which, you know, the Canadian Nuclear Lab said it's the only one now in Canada that's producing uh, thermonuclear neutrons. Um, so people come, you can, if anyone is in Montreal, you can come create your own little star. Uh, wait, stop, are you serious? That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? You can make, wait. I mean, fusion is the process. It's essentially creating a sun on Earth in a bottle, right? Like, it's the same process that happens in the sun, but we're trying to make it on Earth, which is why it's very difficult. Because the, the sun is very heavy. So there's like gravity. Whoa. Um, but on Earth you don't have that, so you have to have much higher temperature and density. So what would that look like? I'm I'm in your lab, and I say, JC, I'd like to make a star. Can you please put an order in? Like what? Yeah, I mean we're firing the device maybe 40, 80 shots a day. Um, so it's a machine. Essentially, right now the technology we're doing is essentially trying to create a lightning bolt, but like it's two hundred times more powerful than the strongest lightning bolt. And where, what happens? It just goes in a... It pinches. So so think about lightning bolts. You know, it comes for like split of a second. So yeah. we do the same thing, but much, much higher. So it's very high current. So we have like a half a mega amp to like a mega amp of current in like microsecond. That just, we compress and then it forms a pinch. And inside this pinch is where like fusion temperature occurs. Whoa. Yeah. And do I get a takeaway of a piece of paper that has a star on it? Or yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sick on the star making. That's so cool. <laughs> you have like a tourist attraction on the making. Yeah, Side yeah. capital <laughs> project. Yeah. I mean, I wish we, uh, we, I tried to make it nice and the engineers hate, hate me for that <laughs> until they see the outcome. And then yeah. like, oh shit, it's really nice. It's worth the effort. Wow. But you see a big splash when it happens, you know, like it's, it's, it's a splash of like light. Uh, but you're not you're like outside there's like yeah, a you're in like zone, a container container yeah, yeah. but it's, at this point it's not very uh radiation like the radiation is, is safe so we don't have problems our next machine is gonna have to be cement surrounded and will be wow. 24 hours monitored but um wow but yeah yeah Wow. So we're building actually. Wait, I had no idea about that. That's so cool. That's fascinating. Like for these conversations, I feel like I'm coming in with some. I'm like, I'm like, whoa! I don't even know where to go next. That's so fascinating. So, what can you do with these technologies? And yeah, so ultimately the goal is to have a new source of energy, right? So it's yeah. power plant, and so um, I hope that within my lifetime we'll have uh, you know your toaster at home be powered by by fusion. Yeah. Um, as soon as we do that, that's like game changer for humanity. But in the interim, there's a, and then after that, we can do space propulsion. Um, but before that, there's some, the type of technology that we're building, that's every type of fusion reactor has its own things. But in type that we're building, there's a lot of, uh, you know, defense applications. Yeah. Um, 
and there's like neutron radiography, which mm -hmm. is, you know, how x-rays image stuff. Mm -hmm. So neutron radiography is the next generation of x-rays. It's much more detailed. It's non-invasive for the material. You can get the atomic structure of things, not just like a black or white image. So let's say you like image a gun in an x-ray, you'll just see black and white. Mm -hmm. What's the metal? Mm -hmm. With a neutron imaging machine, you'll see even how much gunpowder there is and how many wow. bullets. Uh, so it's very, very detailed, um, you know, imaging procedure. You can see how much concentration of like oxygen, carbon there is uh, in any element. So you mm. can figure out what it is. Um, and then ultimately, we can also make uh, medical isotopes. Uh, so radioisotopes that are used for imaging, uh, treatment, etc. Mm. that are now only produced in fission plants that are being decommissioned. Mm. So That's where my head was. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. like the medical implications of, of that usage. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 So cool. So are you, your new plant, is that going to be based in Canada also? Um, so we're going to have to, uh, we're looking to open one in Southern California, most likely, or U.S. base. Most likely now the top candidate is uh, SoCal. Uh, so we're going to have one in the U.S. and one in Canada. Okay. And the U.S. one is going to be the larger plant or is that? Yeah. Um, so the goal would be to have like the HQ in the US. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And how about like when you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? Um, um, so now, I mean, I've been uh, finishing my pilot license. So uh, that's, that's been fun. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, I also do trained calisthenics. Uh, so I do a bunch of... Uh, um, I guess uh, training different types, but it's all focused on like body weight. Um, and then I also practice tea, which is uh, almost like Zen from like a Zen Buddhist monk slash ex monk. Now is more like a Zen philosopher tea master. So um, that plus like uh, anything that piques my curiosity, which is. Unfortunately, or fortunately, many things. But <laughs> Can you talk about that too? Because you were talking earlier with me about uh, having studied tea mm -hmm. and, and that process and how, how you even got to there and, and what those <laughs> findings were for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at some point, uh, I went to Japan um, and stayed in like a temple in Kyoto. Just wanted to live like something spiritual. And uh, there was this, uh, there was like a tea ceremony given at the temple. So I just went there and then there was this guy who was like pretty quiet. Uh, I just made tea and was about to leave and said, do you have any questions? And then we ended up chatting for like four or five hours. Um, I was asking him like some hard existential, you know, questions. And I felt like he would, he had some very uh, luring answers that kept me hooked to ask more and so the next day I ended up like changing plans and spent the whole day from morning to night with him. Um, and so since then I started learning more about the tea philosophy and like the tea uh, way of doing things. Um, so I simply, I just make matcha, which is very simple, but, uh, you know, um, you can learn how to walk, how to eat, how to prepare food, prepare flowers. Um, and it's just like a way of living that's, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's essentially changed how I 
thank or who I am, I guess, in, in some ways. Well, it lets some part of who I am be expressed, um, but it helped shape who I am, I guess. So how, how old were you when you went? Um, 2020, so maybe like 19. Oh, so this was so before COVID or? Well, I, I got back to Canada two days before they shut down the border. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so this was probably like January. It was like March 2020. Wow. Yeah. Okay, March 2020. Fascinating. So you're there, and can you kind of talk through, like, what are maybe some philosophies that you took away from it, or maybe some of the high level of what was said that was so impactful? Yeah. Um, so one thing, uh, I could talk about this for, like, hours, but <laughs> um, I'll try to be brief. So one, one thing... Um, that was very fascinating was like a concept called uh, Shu Hari, which is to learn, to copy, to destroy. Mm. And so they say that uh, usually a, a person's life cycle is the first 10 years of their life. They just copy. Mm. Uh, and so like anything our parents did or anyone like that was older, we just copied and like trusted them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we spend the first 10 years just like copying and learning and doing things um, without as much thinking about it. And then the next 10 years, which people say, oh, teenagers just reject their parents and like reject everything that's given to them. So the next 10 years, we have like this part of rejection phase and we start to disagree and try to create our own thing. Um, And just there's a lot of friction and tension. Uh, and then we leave the garden. We say, like, you know, you stop learning from your master because you start finding that they're telling you things that contradict each other and they're no longer perfect. They're no longer the sage wisdom person that you thought they are. So you leave the garden. Um, and then the, 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 third, the third part uh, is when you come back. So you've left the garden. You've discovered who you are. But now you appreciate the value that your master has brought or your parents or the other people. And so you can come back and then bring what you've brought to your own individual uh, individuality in a sense to the practice that they've done and appreciate them, but build, mm. build from that practice. And so that cycle, we can see it as like a 30 years long journey. And uh, but there's like Shuhari cycles that happen at smaller scale in our life. And so this kind of got me to have some more peace with myself and some, some people around me. So that's one concept. Um, yeah. Um, um, another one could be maybe when. Um, uh, so I used to ask a lot. I was obsessed with knowing the truth. Um, like most people don't say the truth or don't have the rigor. So I was like very annoyed uh, and I'm trying constantly. I did some research at some point in university and theoretical cosmology to understand the nature of the universe um and so i really wanted to find the truth and then that monk told me that the truth doesn't exist uh, and then look at the shadow of you you know you don't exist it's just the shadow that's permanent but the truth is a, is an illusion mm. um and it's corrupted by our own opinion and views and bias the only thing that is true is what we're living now Mm. Um, that's the only thing that we know is true now I'm having a conversation that's true Uh, and so this kind of uh, 
made me focus more on uh, being present and living and be less obsessed with uh, necessarily questioning people about if what they're saying is true because it doesn't matter, right? So what matters is like what I'm living now and what I'm trying to build towards. Yeah, uh, I love that. Um, I actually am reading right now um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that, one of the, like, the nuggets in it was talking about truth and the gift of presence and I actually have it somewhere in here but um that was literally the last thing I read that's a good I read all the translations yeah meditation I mean it was literally like number 14 (laughs) like the takeaway was pretty much like regardless of where how old you are right like it was talking about whether you live for 3,000 years or 10,000 years the fact of when you die that you're everyone loses the present Everyone loses the opportunity to be in the present, which is really, so it's an equal loss regardless of when yeah. <laughs> when you die. And so that gift of like presence, I was like, whoa, I just read something similar to that. Um, yeah. So for context, yeah. so uh, Marcus Aurelius or Stoicism is, uh, like I'm a huge fan, I've read most texts on that topic, but I felt like uh, Stoicism is a good, is a good cerebral philosophy mm. so it uh, and you know they say uh, Seneca says you practice stoicism when you're about to go to sleep and you're sitting in your bed and you just go back to your day and evaluate but uh, I felt like what was nice about religion and I grew up religious um, was like those acts or those ceremonies that you lived that the community lived that made you feel like you belong and you had the practice yeah. Uh, right, Jake, you have a practice to do something. Like, mm. There's sometimes you bake, sometimes you just how you dress, you just there's a act. Um, and I felt stoicism like that. But Zen uh, or like tea, for example, has very little intellectual. And so it's one of those religions or philosophies that didn't have much scriptures. And so it was passed on a lot more uh, through um, through practice. Uh, and so that's why it's evolved. That's how it was uh, taught. Uh, and so I felt like tea and stoicism are like the perfect match for me for now. Well, not perfect, but it's it's a good match for now to complement each other. Yeah. No, I love that. And I know we're kind of coming up on time uh, for these conversations. And ideally, I want to keep these conversations to a point of where people listening can then go, holy camoly, this is a commonality I have with JC. I'm going to reach out and have this conversation. Um, what would you say um, if there's like anything that you want people to know about you? Like one one main thing that people can reach out and connect with you on. Um, I don't know. Um, I love interesting conversations or anything that's, that's curious. So uh, if you have an idea you want to chat about or like a question that's been on your mind that you're thinking about, I would love to share perspectives on, or like challenge each other on, on that question. Mm, I love that. And, um, is there any way that people can help you right now? Um, I mean, I don't know, like uh, right in the moment, what we're, I'm trying to do essentially is um, 
I mean, one thing is I'm like looking to hire people for like different different staff. So that's always you know awesome people. That's always uh, would love to meet them. Um, that's more concrete, I guess. Um, yeah. So so hiring and then obviously in investing. These are the two main <laughs> main thing. Uh, so um, we're also fundraising for Fuse now, for other projects too. But so any you know, awesome investors that you can think of, uh, great partners that you've worked with before. I would love to meet them too. I think these are like the two concrete, uh, you know, professional things. Awesome. Well, thank you, JC, for um, this conversation. And, you know, in the last one in the newsletter, we talked about like purple dinosaurs and friends. <laughs> we talked about having a keyword um, I'd love to give you the opportunity to make up a keyword for people to message you to connect. Two words, whatever comes to mind to see that people made it to the end. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Two words. Space. JC, I guess. Space JC. Okay, I like it. <laughs> very you need to listen to it to believe it and it's true space jc so if you got to this part i'd love for you to message jc start the conversation by opening up with space jc i love that well thanks so much jc for being our second conversation and for space talks so yeah, it's great having you, this yeah, this is great thanks so much jc